16. That's where we're at. Episode 16. Now we can do legally whatever the fuck we want. Um, but actually, we've already been done doing that. And I think that's the true essence of a 16-year-old. And so, Mouthful with Shanti. That is what you're listening to. I am your host, Shanti. Welcome. If this is your first time listening to the show, thank you. We talk about race, sex, culture, whatever the fuck we want to. And uh, if you've been listening, please rate us a five star. It really helps us out. Follow me on Instagram, Shanti Churn Comedy. If you like the sound of my voice, hopefully you'll like what I'm visually serving to you on there. Today, we're going to be talking about mental health, a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. I have invited a family and marriage therapist, Sharon who works in the mental service industry with the bipolar and schizophrenic community. And uh, she also works with her private practice. And so here we go. Yes. All my life, yeah. I wanted a shower that shoots from the sides. Right. That's right. the life. That's right. like if I've made it in life. <laughs> like, right. That right. is what I've got. The shower has ever, yeah. A garage mm-hmm. with a washer dryer. Mm hmm. A backyard mm-hmm. and a shower that shoots from the side. I think that's an amazing list. Yeah, that's yeah. I think that's great for me. Yeah, I think those are great goals. Yeah, yeah for sure. I think those are. You know what? And that makes me uh, feel really good that you think those are healthy goals. Given, for sure. Given your background, of, for sure. Uh, for sure. Uh, being a a, a washer and dryer is great for mental health. It really yeah, is. Yeah. No, like I'm not even being funny about that. Yeah. 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 No, I I'll some stuff I said I'd never go back. I got a washer dryer. Never go back. It's such a privilege. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't recognize some no, of these a, it's things a game being changer. such a privilege. Like, it's a game changer. Some people just have washer dryer. Some people are like, I'm just going to throw this in the dryer when <laughs> <Yeah>. I wake up. <laughs> to keep it warm or I'm whatever. like, what the fuck? Throw it in the dryer when you wake up? Like, I have a blow My, dryer. Right. I put the clothes on, then I take the blow right, dryer. Right, right. Yeah, no, I use it for, <laughs> yeah, if you want something warm in the morning and or you don't feel like trying to iron. Yeah. So I just like wet a washcloth a little bit to get it like the moisture in there, throw it in there, the shirt or whatever I want, let it. Even ironing feels like a privilege because who, where, where do you iron? I iron on my bed and and I don't, I don't, you don't ask. I don't iron. (laughs) You just. (laughs) I own an iron. I own an iron, but I don't actually. That's just for show, you know. I do it for company. You like? I got an iron. I got a Bible in the first drawer. I I do that. I do that for them. I do that for like for a company. There you go. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I do not iron. I don't iron either. And I'm thankful for my dryer. I am I too. Iron. I just hang things. And when and when I didn't have a dryer, I was just wrinkly. Yeah. I don't even care. I, most of the time, I am wrinkly, and I don't actually care. But if there's an occasion where I do care, then dryer situation. Uh, I actually heard the steamer is one of the best things you can buy. You know, I have. I actually steamer, heard that you just, you just. But mine is on the fritz. It's being skeet skiing. You know, it's like. Is it old? It's I, I, it's it's a little old. I think I think maybe the water kind of like what is it called? Mineral stuff happens when it, some something sciency happened. Yeah. And now it's like, the the area where the water comes out from isn't skeet skiing the way it's supposed. I love to. that you're saying skeet, <laughs> skeeting. I think it's like I don't know if I've heard anybody. Use skeet skeet and steamer like in the same context, but but yeah, I try that's to, I'm trying to bring skeet skeet back into everything. You know, these young kids these that, days not, they don't know about the everything. skeet skeet. They do not know about the skeet skeet. <laughs> that is hilarious. It's like I didn't that know steamers funny. can skeet skeet. Yeah. Steamers, bodies, everything. There's a lot of things that can skeet skeet. Probably. That's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, your your steamer is not skeet skeeting like it's supposed to. <laughs> 
Yeah. But all those things help me. Decreasing my workload helps my mental health. For sure. Like, if I can have a machine that can do some things, yeah. and I can decrease that to focus on myself, that really helps with my mental health, which is yeah. actually something that's really important to me, which is what I want to highlight on these different episodes, things that matter uh, to me, to other people. And so mental health is something that is very prevalent on my mind. Right. Um, which is why I invited you here today, Sharon, because yeah. I, you are a family therapist. And actually, let me let you go ahead and tell me uh, and, and the listeners what you do. Yeah, it's so funny when people ask me, I'm like, what do I do? Um, I am a licensed uh, marriage and family therapist. My career, we actually discussed this before, my, my career... I do what's called mental health case management, community case management um, for those with severe mental illnesses, so bipolar and schizophrenia. That's been my career for the last 11 years. So that's what I do. And then in my free time, after work and on the weekends, I have a very small private practice where I see um, other adults, and I have a contract with the UC Berkeley students, and um, I do... What what you think is like traditional therapy? So people come in to talk about life, their workloads, depression, anxiety, just everyday sort of life things that come up for them. Breakups. Okay, so your private practice, those clients don't necessarily all um, uh, battle or whatever the right word is with bipolar or schizophrenia. Right. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah. So these are very yeah. So they're very they're very different things. So like case management. So just my job. So my nine to five job. Mm. Case management is really just about um, helping if, let's say, our consumers need insurance. I'm helping them with Medi-Cal. Maybe they're trying to find housing. Maybe they're having their first, you know, psychiatric challenges, Mm -hmm. trying to get them hooked up with psychiatric help, medications, just trying to help their lives remain as stable as possible. So that's really what I do and help them hopefully transition into the community. What do you think you've noticed that's been like a prevalent theme amongst things that destabilize them in this process, given the conditions that they have. Like, is there any themes that you see amongst people who suffer from uh, or people who have to navigate with being bipolar or schizophrenia? Yeah, I mean, think about any time you have felt just very overwhelmed, just in general, like how that how that feels. In most of my day. When you just feel really <laughs> overwhelmed, right? So a lot of times for these severe mental illnesses, I call them like the perfect storm. You almost sort of need everything. So it's mm-hmm. like a genetic predisposition for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times then it's wrapped in trauma or a lot, a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the theme of it is a lot of folks, you know, have probably been through some life event. And so the idea is like you, you have some stress, then you have what's called maybe a break. Um, where you just, where your mental illness basically starts, um, and you know. So anyway, so the theme is it's really those folks go through the same things we go through. It's yeah. just sort of when you have a mental illness, it makes it that much more difficult. They just to, have a different fanny pack, like they have different tools in their fanny pack, which make it kind of maybe harder in some ways. Yeah, I mean, because a lot of times maybe they're disorganized or they're out of a touch with reality at this point. Yeah. So it's just harder for them to navigate yeah. the same challenges that you and I would have, right? So they kind of need someone who um, is in a more stable place to, to help them navigate some of these things. What exactly is happening when someone is diagnosed with schizophrenia? Yeah, so something to know, schizophrenia happens later in life. Mm-hmm. So 
typically it's like late teens. So you're talking about like maybe the 17, 18, kind of early 20s range to like 30. So it makes these mental illnesses very challenging or as mm-hmm. hard as you can know somebody one way they're, and they know themselves. They're one way their entire lives mm-hmm. and they have what's called a break. And then they're really never back to that person who they were, right? Mm-hmm. So it's different than like a developmental delay that you may have had since birth, right? So schizophrenia, bipolar, those things happen later in life. Um, so and it's it, kind you know, of like a traumatic event that changes someone. It can, it, it, it can, it can. Mm-hmm. So it can be a traumatic event. It could be, what's a very common thing was somebody was at a college party, maybe doing some recreational drugs, you know, had some effect on their brain, chemistry, they had a break, and then that's what that was, right? So that you actually, that's a very common story that, that happened. So these folks are smart. They're probably in school at a party, like like something that you and I would have done, right? Nothing any different is just because of some genetic probably component of it. That's what yeah. it was. And I'm sorry, I don't remember your original question. Do you? Uh, what are some symptoms? Like, well, how do oh, you, what are the what symptoms? What is schizophrenia? Like, uh, yeah, voices? Like, I don't really know. I yeah. just know movie like, yeah. type definitions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. I mean, it can look so... No two people with mental illness look the same. So it it looks very, very different for everyone. Yeah. Um, but so when you're talking about auditory, so voices are mm-hmm. auditory hallucinations, right? Mm-hmm. So we call those positive symptoms, which really is just like <clears throat> voices that they hear that maybe we cannot hear, that you and I cannot hear, right? That these are not mm-hmm. happening. Um, delusions are a big part of it, right? So that's somebody believing in, something that is not supported through evidence, right? This is not sort of something you and I would probably agree with mm-hmm. or, or see it. Um, people can be very disorganized, just mm-hmm. mentally just having a hard time maybe following the same information that you and I would be able to maybe follow. Um, paranoia can be a part of that. Um, stress is a big part of this too, because imagine if a lot of things don't make sense to you. Mm-hmm. that is stressful, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so that can be a thing. Um, sometimes for our bipolar folks, if they go what's called like days on end without sleeping, right? Because that can happen. Sometimes people get very agitated. If you went on days without sleeping after a while. So this sounds like it's a really hard job for you then because you're on the opposite end of sometimes, like of course it's hard for them having to navigate life. right? But then they're feeling the frustrations of, Having to navigate given feeling overwhelmed, mm-hmm. unorganized, right. forgetful, or hearing voices, or maybe not taking medication. Right. So I guess what's, and of course, like you said, everyone's different. So every day for you is different. Every day. Probably. So yep. what's a random day for you that this comes off the top of your head, having to help, you know, each of these people with their cases? It just, it, yeah, it really just depends. So, I don't know what I do last week. I <laughs> I mean, so I, I, all these folks are uh, Medi-Cal recipients, so um, I helped somebody get their free cell phone through the Medi-Cal program, right? I did that uh, because they need to be able to contact people, right? Uh, I helped somebody. And I can imagine yeah. just like as someone that isn't, that doesn't have bipolar or, or schizophrenia, Dealing with medical when I have is such a pain in the ass. Yeah, having to think about dealing with it with anything else for sure, it just seems like unattainable for sure. So and that would lead to just this snowball effect of just everything unraveling for sure. And that's why I keep saying like, when we think about mental illness, is remembering that sort of the the challenges are just like ours. It's it's everyday stuff. So you don't want to call medical. 
I don't want to call Medi-Cal because, yeah, you will be on the phone for an hour just just waiting, right? So, yes, if you have challenges with just being organized enough to, like, sit there and do this and navigate these systems that are difficult. Now, you know, we also, like, help people with, like, their basic rights too, right? So, like, if they are having challenges with housing, we get them linked up with pro bono lawyers who can help. I mean, you know, we definitely try to advocate for them to have the same rights and and everything as as everybody else how do you open up the idea like what if someone is you know handling obstacles that seem like they're aligned with some of these symptoms but they haven't gotten diagnosed how do you approach a conversation where you're like yo i'm seeing these tendencies without you know without making someone feel like they're yeah so a part of mental illness a Mm -hmm. part of it I should say a symptom. A symptom of mental illness a lot of time is lack of insight. That is literally like a symptom of it. So in my field, in my time, I've been I've been doing this for 11 years, and there are some times where I'm getting mad because I'm like, look at all this, and I'm telling you, did this, and this happened, and this happened, and the person's like, no, it didn't. I'm like, okay, okay. So I've had to, I've had to stop pushing. That like, is their truth, Sharon. That is their truth. That is. <laughs> that is their truth. And I and you are absolutely correct. <laughs> and there are times where I have to be like, okay, because I'd be pulling that move. I'd be like, this okay. is my truth. <laughs> no, I mean, at the end of the day, it is right. So I'm like, okay, cool, right? So to answer your question, like, how do you get people to like the next stage? I do. It is important to search what they are motivated by, mm-hmm. right? That that is important, right? So for instance, let's say um, I'm, I'm going to use bipolar as an example. Okay. Let's say someone. Is they can be up for days. That that is a part of it. Maybe the person may not agree that they have a mental illness, mm-hmm. but maybe they agree that they really want to go to sleep, mm-hmm. right? Like they need it. They need help with that. Then it's like, well, maybe we can talk to a doctor or something about your medication options to help you with this thing, right? I just think to to get people help, you have to find what they are motivated by, and 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 do that thing, right? So it's like. Somebody wants to move on their own one day, wants to be independent, wants their own apartment, wants to live out of their parents' house or whatever it is. Then it's a conversation. Okay, cool to live on your own, though. You know how you have a hard time following your calendar? You know how you have a hard time going grocery shopping for yourself? You know how you, right? So we can maybe put you in some sort of program where you can learn these things so you can move out on your own or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's not so much a conversation all the time around you have a mental illness and I think you're crazy and I need you to whatever. It's more about like, again, what are you motivated by? How can I support you in getting that? So for instance, for me in our program, we help people with all that stuff, Mm -hmm. applying for affordable housings and having insurance and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. So come to us if you want those services and and then we'll try to hook the person up with the other stuff outside of that. So, yeah. Okay, no, that's a good mature way in case, you know, people, because I feel like these and days that's people, in general, though. people always try to psychoanalyze people, you yeah. know, and so but, I think but, it's a healthy way to figure out how to have that conversation. For sure, and I, but in general, you do that for anybody. I mean, really, right? Like, there's if there's anybody that you think, like you said, can maybe have some <laughs> work of improvement or whatever it is, and you're like, this my truth, whatever it is, that's okay. But then again, just in general, yeah, finding what people are actually motivated by yeah. Is is far more 
is far more helpful it to get people to the next stage. Then you can just handle, you can figure out the foundation of what you're looking for, and then that thing can open the door to the next thing. Exactly. And then you can keep going there. Okay. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Um, so then moving forward then <clears throat> to this is what you do in the daytime. Yes. And then at nighttime, nighttime. Like Bat- <laughs> Batman. I like I like it at nighttime. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I thought you were going to tell me something. I'm like, what do I do at nighttime? What do I do? <laughs> at or in, whatever time of day, random. In the night. <laughs> Go ahead. You are therapizing. Is that the is that the correct word? Therapizing. I like it. Yeah. You're therapizing uh, uh, young adults. Mm-hmm. Young adults. So I found out because I recently read an article. That young adults, uh, scientists say they are fucked up. <laughs> they they are stressed. Twenty twenty three. They sixty percent of young adults, uh, meaning like eighteen to twenty three, I think, say that they have a mental illness or high stress levels or something dealing to do with having to do with their mental balance. Right. Negatively right. impacts their life for sure. Severely. For sure. For sure. No. Uh, so I work with the students. Especially like the ones in the PhD programs and the master's programs, what they have to do is unreal. This I don't even think this is how are people doing this. I mean, just on top of like they have to go to their own classes. They have labs where they're doing research. They have to be a teacher. A lot of them are on other. They they have to be like co-authors on like other papers. Yeah. You have to. I mean, it is. No, it is it is actually unreal. I'm sometimes stressed listening to it. Like I'm like I don't I don't know how you all are are doing this. And again, on top of just life stuff, if you in relationships, friendships, you worried about your family or money, right? Yeah. You know, you always hear like this term like broke college student, right? You yeah. you know you think about money, um, especially in the Bay Area. We live in the most expensive place, yeah. probably one of them in the world, probably, right? So it's what like, sucks you know. is they're like doing all this and they're spreading themselves so thin with school stuff. I feel like some of these young kids kind of suck with social stuff. And it, so they're even exerting themselves even more with things that are like not that social. I, yeah. Because teaching may seem social, and it is. It does take a finesse to be able to teach a classroom. Mm-hmm. But sometimes some grad students just teach it by regurgitating stuff so they're not like that great mm-hmm. but it's not really a social it doesn't really give too much in regards to learning socially as much as you could mm-hmm. i don't know mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think that varies right i think there's some people who are sort of naturally yeah. sort of interpersonally like really engaged with other people i think there's some people who are tend to be more shy in that way i, I in my experience when working with the students it's more about how do they find time to engage with other people. They feel very isolated and alone a lot of the time. Um, And what I see more often is, especially if you're at a school like Cal or, you know, something like really high up there in prestige or a well-known school, um, you know, just a lot of self-doubt, a lot of comparison, you know, comparisons. Like, am I like everybody else? Am I doing what everybody else is doing. And there's a lot of stress of feeling like you trying to keep up with everybody else who are overachievers and, and doing yeah. all the things, right? So it's just a very highly, it, it feels like a very 
highly competitive environment where which uh, probably struggling. feeds into that isolation that you're saying for sure and for i don't sure. know so i have a question about the isolation and the competitiveness but mm-hmm. do you feel like that isolation is only something recent after covid or do you feel like this age group that you've worked with has been continuously feeling isolated even prior to covid happening i i think for me is it seems like it's the same and the reason why i say yeah. that is the isolation piece is a is often like an internal battle. So some people can say like, I can be in a room full of people and I still feel alone. Um, and I think when you are under an incredible amount of stress, mm-hmm. um, we feel like we are the only ones that feel this way or yeah. no one understands me or this, right? Um, so I always tell the students, I'm like, I would be unemployed. If you were the only one, you'd be you'd be my only client. So no, this is this is not true, right? But but in the moment in their stories, it, it really is this felt it is me, it is only me, because they look around and it looks like everybody else has it together. Mm-hmm. Right? And so and so then they and then if they internally feel like they don't have it together, mm-hmm. that's the part that makes them feel alone. Because it's they have this vision like it's this whole school with all these thousands of people. It is me alone by myself who doesn't have it to get together. Yeah. And it's simply just not true. But it's a it's a it's a felt loneliness versus like a physical like I don't have friends or people. Yeah. It's more of a inside thing. I can imagine that especially this age group, how they grew up with social media and how all eyes are on everyone all the time, how we could feel the exact opposite being meaning isolated because you're having this perception of all the good things because we've been taught to share things in a certain way. Yep. And so being vulnerable feels less accessible because it's so under the magnifying glass. And then that leads to us even feeling more isolated because then we can't share what we're feeling and connect with people. Yeah. Which is crazy because that feeling of isolation, it kind of ties back into what you're talking about with competitiveness, seeing all this outside stuff that influences, oh, this is what everybody else has and this is what I have and I need to get that. So you then kind of feel isolated in your own havings. Right, right. You know, because then you're like, I don't have shit. I'm here all by, look at them. They're married. They got a house. They got kids. They got money. Whatever it is that you feel like you're on this lonely island. Yeah. Um, I I always tell people, if you... You know yourself very well. You know your worst thoughts you've ever had. You know the worst things you've ever done. You also know your triumphs too, right? So you you know them both, right? You know your traumas. You know your insecurities. You know your soft spots. You know you know all this stuff about mm-hmm. you, right? If you compare yourself to anybody else, you yeah. are always going to lose in that comparison. You're yeah. always going to lose because you have far more information about yourself than you do anybody else that you'll see just walking by totally. on Instagram or, or whatever it is, right? Totally. So you, you'll always lose. You will always lose that 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 thing. And, you know, I'm really big on, like, how we tell our stories. Um, so when we look at our story, sometimes we, we sort of pinpoint, like, the worst thing we've ever done. Uh, and I think I'm a pretty good person. But I promise you, if you would have called me on my worst day ever – you would think I was a horrible person, right? Yeah. If you if you caught me, trust me, I've had a few of those days, right? If there's one I'm literally thinking about in my mind now, but my point is, if, if you caught me on my worst day, I would look pretty bad, right? Yeah. Um. So if you kind of stay on your own snapshots of the worst parts of your life, mm-hmm. 
yeah, you're going to feel bad about yourself, right? Yeah. Versus on the internet, you you are seeing everybody's highlight reel of their most positive, wonderful moments. Mm -hmm. So you will always lose that that comparison game. You're, there is yeah. no winning. It's it's an unfair thing to do to yourself. Yeah. So it's yeah. So yeah, you look at everybody else. You feel like I should be doing more, whatever it is, and I feel isolated. I feel alone. Like I'm the only one that's bad or how not much good uh, or whatever it is parent blaming do you get in your sessions <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh you can always blame the parents right you yeah. can always blame the parents everything uh, every single yeah. thing I, yeah i forgot to cook food my mom's fault you yeah know what? she didn't prepare me to be no <laughs> i don't know you, you know so funny you're trying you're 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 making a jokey joke but like that's not that far off yeah. right because sometimes people could just go through a life thing and they're like Let's say let's say someone goes through something that just causes anxiety. Mm -hmm. Then it's like, but I think I maybe I started with anxiety because my mom, you know, didn't do this or yeah. you know my dad didn't do this and I'm like, maybe and we and we can talk about that. And I want to highlight though that the thing that you're going through right now is just anxiety provoking. Like mm -hmm. anybody would probably feel that. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of people do I think try to make the story yeah. for why they're having something going on yeah and parents are a very convenient route to, yeah. to go down i yeah. mean i've been i've been guilty of that too but i found that when i do do it it serves as an explanation for something but it doesn't serve as a solution mm -hmm. it's never helped me get to a better place mm -hmm. like in regards to fixing the thing that i'm blaming on my mom it just maybe helps me understand it more mm -hmm. like Oh, I do this fucked up thing because of my mom. Mm -hmm. But after I blame my mom, now I have to unlearn the fucked it. up thing. Like, I get it. It's your mom's fault. It's your mom's fault. You suck. Now, can you stop sucking? Yeah, you're you're basically saying I'm not going to just commit to this I suck path. Yes. Right? Yes, They're exactly. Like, mm -hmm. And a lot of people do it for too long. And mm -hmm. it also makes me, what I have learned is like, in my healing process of trying to um, get better in regards to growth and not just blaming my mom um, is just understanding her better. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So, so talking about parents is, is really my favorite topic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talking shit. Yeah. I love parents. No, I really, you know, I, I, doing therapy, I have a, I have my soft spot for parents has yeah. has really has really grown. Yeah. Um. I think as we get older, they get kind of cute sometimes, and you're they, like, they, "Oh, that's sweet." No, they, they kind of do. I was actually telling a client this recently, uh, talking about her parent. I was like, "I promise you that one day these things that annoy you right now about your parent." You are one day going to look back on this and find them very endearing and funny. Yeah. Like, this is not going to irritate you in the way that, like, it does right now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I I always ask clients. So this is the thing. We, we, we know our parents like mom and dad. Yeah. Right? They don't have names. They don't. We When they become our parents, they, they no longer have their individual name anymore. They are mom and dad yeah and with mom and dad we sometimes have this expectation that they are these superhero super beings they're going to do yeah. everything correct um now to clarify we are not talking about like 
parents who are just obviously neglectful and abusive and all that. I'm, I'm talking which about... Which do exist, yes. Which do exist, right? I'm more so talking about the parents that are just themselves and we just find them annoying. Your average there for you parents. <laughs> exactly. But they're annoying or they didn't show up exactly the way you needed them to or maybe they had some weak spots here or there. And I always ask clients, like, well, what are your parents' names? Like, literally, like, what, what are their names? And what do you know about that person? Yeah. Because they were this entire person before you ever came about. Yeah. Um, I definitely remember learning when my parents were Kelly and Steven, right? Like, I, someday they were no longer mom and dad. I'm like, oh, this is Kelly. And she is this whole person that does these things. What's her story? Oh, her parents were this, and this is how she grew yeah. up, and this is what it was. Oh, Steven. Oh, I get it now. Your family was this and that, and this is how you grew up, right? And, and you know, for me, I've been speaking for myself, and probably why I have such a soft spot for this topic. Um, like I said, it, it, it makes me cringe, and it kind of hurts my feelings when I think about it. In simplest terms, my dad was just different. There, yeah. I, there is no other way I can describe it in this episode that we're doing it today. But my dad was just different in some ways. And I, there were years that was just like, he's weird. That was just the term I called him all the time. He's weird. He's weird. Right? You know, everyone I knew that said their dad was weird always had the coolest dad. My dad is awesome. Right? And so, but that's why it hurts me, right? That yeah. it was like so many years of yeah. like, he's weird. Doing the comparison game. He's not like other dads. He does this differently. Why is he like this? Right? Like, I really wanted him to fit in this certain dad mold. Right? And I just was having a hard time accepting him for exactly who he was. Right? Mm -hmm. So, it was years. Dad is weird. Dad is weird. And when I started learning about him as Steven... Really, really learning about him as Steven, like the man, right? And learning about how he lost his father tragically and how just his, his whole upbringing. And when I watch our home videos now of the way that I see my dad playing with my brother in this little kiddie pool and you see this mm -hmm. six-foot man trying to jump in the kiddie pool and play with my brother, right? Yeah. Who... My dad had to stretch himself to to be that person. It probably was not natural for him in a lot of ways to be mm -hmm. vulnerable, right? Um, and then the last thing I'll, I'll say about this. So when I started getting out of this, my dad is just weird, mm -hmm. and just started asking him more questions. Dad, can you tell me about, like, when you were growing up, or how do you feel about this? And my dad being vulnerable was not, like, totally natural for him. And I remember him just taking a deep breath, like, uh, what else you want to know? What else? Do you, and he really started answering yeah. these questions, right? So I just, for me, it was just, and then my dad is truly my best friend, truly, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm just so happy that our relationship had evolved into that, right? So yeah. anyway, that's that's why I kind of have a personal soft no, spot No, that's with good. It. Yeah. And I think also asking our parents questions to get to know them is is really good because, they feel, of course, valued, you know, like you care. But then also you can get to know the things about them that have helped shape who they are right. and how they think. And then you can understand how they think 
and then you could be like, oh, that's why she's like this with me. And that's really helped me heal in regards to my relationship with my mom because I have an immigrant mother that raised me as a single mom by herself in this country, which is very different from my life and how I'm growing up today. So yeah. just to understand her better is better for our relationship because I'm like, oh, like you just weren't equipped in those ways and you were learning things like you're saying with your dad and the kiddie pool or you're learning things for the first time. And so I wasn't thinking about that when I was young. I wasn't thinking, oh, this adult is doing these things for the first time in their life and they may not be that good at it. Yep. They may not be able to replicate what you're seeing on the Disney Channel with yep. parents on that show, yep. you know? And think about how... So nowadays, people, we have children so much later now. Mm -hmm. So we are, I mean, think about youth. When I used to think about the age of a youth, it's like, I think, when I think about youth, I think like 13, 14, 15, like that's like a young person to me, right? Yeah. Do you know now for like mental health services, a youth, a transitional age youth is now like 18 to 25, and I think it was extended to 30. Because like (laughs) adults, we humans take a very long time to adult. <laughs> yeah. When you're 18 to 25, how do we treat our colons like shit? We shouldn't be in charge of anything. And then when we're older, that's when I really started taking care of my colon. Right, right. I'm not drinking blue drinks from TGF Friday. <laughs> exactly. I'm not eating Burger King breakfast. Now I'm like, what I eat today is what I shit tomorrow. I love what I eat today, I shit tomorrow. That is... Hopefully, that's the goal. That is amazing. That's I will, how I live my life. That will be with me for the rest of my life. I'm not going to lie. I made pasta today, and I was going to eat it after you left, and then I was like, that's too late. I feel it. That's too late to eat pasta. That's going to mess with my shit tomorrow. So I need to eat this before we record the podcast. You see how I think? I do. It's all about the shit tomorrow. That's responsible. I like it. So so I'm like, now we're older now, so we're sort of, we're also judging our parents' parenting when they were so much younger, right? So to the point, if you had had children in your 20s, your kids would maybe grow up like, you know, my mom used to be out drinking blue drinks and not taking care of her colon and not yeah. caring about what she shits out today. Right, right? exactly. You know, so it's, but you you would be a different. Most important lesson in life. You would be, you would now be a responsible mother who eats pasta early enough in the evening. Exactly. Right? I do get what you're saying. And yeah. I feel like when we're older, we can understand how to be better and then we can understand our parents better, understand where yes. they're coming from. Right. Because like, I think for me, at least with my mom, like I have to accept who she is. That's what I've learned. I have to accept who she is, so I need to know who she is. And my mom, with who she is and with who I am, the biggest difference in our life is how I look at sex. Mm -hmm. How I look at sex and my Indian mom, how she looks at sex. And she, I remember one time we were together and I was, I went on a date with a guy and he was Indian and my mom was really excited. She was like, oh, he's Indian. Like you guys are going to get married. And I was like, I don't think we're going to get married because he just lost his virginity a year ago. My mom was like, so what? And I was like, so what? That means he doesn't know how to eat. Well, I said, he doesn't know how to give oral. And my mom was like, gee, Gandhi, like that's gross. And I was like, no mom, it's not gross. And then I was like, mom, why do you think that's gross? Right. And then she's like, I don't know. That's not something we talk about. And then it was like, let's unpack this a little bit. Because not talking about it means we're shaming us getting our pussy, mom. And the feminist that I am, I cannot allow this kind of talk in your house. And so let's talk about this. And so 
we did and she was like you know that just really wasn't talked about when in marriages or anything and i was like you know a woman's orgasm specifically only a woman's orgasm which can come from oral is not elevated which is why she thinks the way she does which is why she thinks gross when i say i need a man that gives oral right and and i want to have that open type of conversation with my mom because i'm in my i'm in my 30s you know and so we talked about it and i told her why it's important and and why giving oral is important and why like you know a man elevating my orgasm is important in our relationship dynamic and and i'm an adult so i may i am able to think about my mom and and the life of orgasms she may or may not have had because as a woman it makes me feel because as a woman i want every woman to have wonderful orgasms right. orgasms once in a while that make them kind of tear up because they feel so cleansed and emptied and therapeutic you know and i could kind of understand why she looks at sex the way she does but it's given me the chance to understand her to now explain sex and its importance to me the way i see it and i think you know she sees my growth and my sexual agency kind of as a catalyst for her healing yeah even though maybe she's not i don't know if she is or isn't coming like i hope for all women to come but she knows i am and because of that i feel like a part of her is healing (laughs) maybe it's going to motivate her to like you know what my my daughter is so i need to like i need to see what i can do right or i just said some narcissistic ass shit right now because she's no especially if you're talking about yeah mom you know sometimes you tear up she's probably like oh tell me more really right you know but just to kind of you know I, I actually really do love that example yeah. and kind of going back into your story. So it's what mom, I, I want somebody who knows how to do oral sex. And, and when she say that's gross, right? Yeah. You know what a lot of people do in this moment, especially kids. It's like, this is why, this is why I don't talk to you. Yeah. Like a lot of the conversation could have just ended right then and there. This is why I don't talk to you. She says it's gross. You're like, fine. I can't talk to you. This is not yeah. safe space for me. Right. But you actually became curious why 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 do you say that right is an activist to me i said why don't you why why (laughs) right so i i i actually i actually think that is a beautiful example of how the conversation usually ends like really early yeah versus being curious is actually what keeps it going right and you know to the point when, when we're talking about we don't really always know our parents as people Sometimes our parents have a hard time talking to us because we're just their babies. They're just their kids. Yeah. So she is, your mom is learning grown up you, this adult woman, right? And that's that's why I actually love this example because you are a grown woman, feminist, who cares about your orgasms. And that is your right to experience sex in the same way that everybody else does or should right yeah and um yeah so i actually love that example yeah i love to- and now yeah. what i've realized i love talking to her about sex yeah. in like a and not just like a perverse like vulgar way but in a way where like she's getting to explore these territories that she hasn't been exposed to and yeah. she you know on netflix she doesn't do it on her own through shows like she doesn't her and her friends, you know, they all live with the same stigmatizations and, and boundaries on what kind of conversations they can have. Right. And I don't have those boundaries. And so I make her uncomfortable, but right. then I push through that uncomfortability to right. like get her through a new place. You know, um, I, uh, 
a late I get waxed once in a while and the lady that waxes me told me that she has an Indian client and there's a large Indian swinger community oh. for the older Indian Look community. And I told my mom about it and my mom Look was like, I them. don't understand that. Why go to the party with your husband if you want to do it with somebody else? And I'm like, well, That's mom, funny. That's funny. this is something to consider. Like if you're in a healthy place in your relationship and you've realized like, hey, these are some sexual ways we don't share anymore, but you still might ride or die, but maybe we can go to this together and leave and and you know and then my mom was like okay well okay but then what if they fall in love and then want to leave with somebody else and then i'm like but then that's why you com com communicate before you go in and that's know funny. like this is where we are this is safe this is strength and that's why we won't bounce on each other that's even funny. if it is good she could give me the wildest head of my life that but i know funny. that can she raise a family with me can she cook can meals she with me with me like can she pay taxes with me right. like you know and and then i explained all that and my mom was like oh wow okay okay so just like to explain it you know like i'm not telling her to go out and do it but just to be able to be like here mom this is an idea that is and, and she knows in india people cheating on everyone all the time because of arranged marriage and so this is like oh there is a doorway to an escape um if we are in this relational thing due to cultural expectations and and things yeah you know? absolutely and especially again going from from a culture of arranged marriages mm -hmm. right it is not for love in the way that we may think yeah. that because re relationships relationships for love is a very new concept it's called a love right? marriage a love there's marriage. marriage and then there's love marriage. true i like that right so love marriage is a very new concept right yeah. um woman's pleasure is a very new concept right yeah. uh, the whole institute of marriage was, was was for resources and trading women for land and property and training women uh, you know you couldn't if you were a woman at one point in history and if you were not married you cannot have a bank account you cannot drive you cannot own a home it was all these things and again our sexual experience was not a part yeah. of anything that was important right yeah. so anyway so yes and then talking about relationships now you and your mom are coming from very different worlds, yeah. right? And so you, I do think kids have a choice. If I want my parent to be involved in this way, and vice versa, parents have to decide too. If I want my child in my life in this way, if I want a close relationship, yeah. it really is being curious about the difference in upbringings, the difference in culture, right? Because your mom is... And that's what yeah. love is, is just understanding the differences. It's understanding the differences. And this is why, again, I like this idea of when you mentioned it, she said it's gross. You didn't let it go. Like, she doesn't understand. She just old school. She comes yeah. from old traditional, you know, Indian culture. I just, you know, I'm not going to deal with it. Yeah. You're like, well, no, mom, let's, let, let's talk about it. I think it's working a little bit. Like, I feel like my mom sees the world now and sees marriage and parenting as something totally different from when she saw it when she was younger right and now she's like you know what don't get married if you don't know to get don't give kids just don't even date and i was like well mom you know i mean i still gotta i got my need she's like what sex sex go have sex then go have sex and then <laughs> do your thing and i'm I like oh shit that. okay mom i'll do my thing yeah i'm gonna do my thing i'm gonna go get sex i'm gonna do my thing yeah <laughs> but, that, but that's that's a huge difference though right from culturally where she's coming from like marry any guy right like yeah. do this like do it this way and now she's like you know what i get this independence thing yeah. right 
that's okay. Like that, that's okay too. So now she's no longer, well, you didn't necessarily say this, but um, it is making it so she may not judge your choices yeah. in the way you want to live your life, right? Yeah. Because she better understands you. Right, so I actually, I actually love this example. I so think we great. both healing. Yes, you know? yeah. I'm reading this book. Um, I am 50 pages in it, and it's excellent. And I'm only 50 pages in it. All about love, yeah. bell hooks. Um, I'm excited for the rest of the book. But in these 50 pages, which are excellent, um, she really talks about how we don't really know what love is. We really don't. Um, and how if we can all kind of be vulnerable. And we're speaking to each other like, you know what? I don't really know what this is, mm-hmm. right? But I really want to learn it in this relationship with you in, in this way. If everybody can kind of admit, like, I don't I don't really know what's going on, it can actually really help the conversation in all of this. That we don't know, none of us really know how any of this, this stuff, this life stuff works. You and know? I think it's so, like admirable or endearing when someone offers that level of vulnerability absolutely yeah so yes it's just, and even just tying this back to the parents thing it's it's i think if parents can be vulnerable instead of saying well i just did what i knew period yeah. if they could say i did what i knew and mm-hmm. teach me what you feel like i should know or teach me like talk yeah. to me about where you felt like that that didn't land for you, right? And yeah. and really thinking about then and then going forward, what what does that mean for us, right? And how do we sort of navigate in this you know relationship going going forward, right? Yeah. So I think the vulnerability is at least for the and and not the but, right? It's mm-hmm. the I did this, not you know, but but it's and 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 we can move on. And vulnerability know, well. yeah. visually feels like your fists have come down. Right, because sometimes if you're having an argument or you're saying, like I, I, I did what I do because that's all I knew. Right, but then it's like, but if you, but I, you know, and then it's like you kind of lower those fists down, and it feels like you can have, uh, you know, a conversation without the conflict. Then. Yeah, actually, one last thing, you know, I'll I'll share um, my dad who struggled being vulnerable, and again, I was mm-hmm. like, I thought a long time he was weird, and he didn't just say, well, I am just who I am. Period. He didn't say that. Um, and my mom told me one time that he came to talk to her. And he talked to her and he was like, I don't know. But Sharon needs something from me and I'm going to try. So he had that sense, right? Because I'm asking him questions. I'm mm-hmm. doing this stuff. And he didn't know what none of this was. He was like, this is some vulnerability. This is some deep conversations. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And he just said, but she needs this. And, and so he tried, right? And that's why I love him so much. And that's why we were best friends because I know it wasn't natural for him but he didn't give me a period he gave me an and right yeah. he's he's gonna try to work with me so yeah 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 I guess that would lead me to the last question that I normally ask which is how you know in this in the context of our conversation how we can maybe better love our parents and stuff but I feel like we've kind of gone over that with getting to know them and offering vulnerability and you know asking questions to understand and, and to heal through that so I guess what I'm gonna ask today as a therapist, for yeah. you as a therapist, to individualize the question a little more. Because I'm sure being a therapist, just like being a stand-up, people always ask for like a joke. I'm sure being a therapist, maybe people ask for, 
I don't know, some kind of advice or something right away, which could be probably annoying because, you know, you ain't getting paid. Right, that, and is, so, that is correct. Um, really, that's the only reason I invited you to be on the show today is so I could just <laughs> get vent about therapy. my mom right. uh, for an hour. Right, <laughs> no. right, right. But um, I loved it. how can, you know, how can someone, a friend, I'm going to wait for that car. Okay, there you go. How can someone, a friend, a family member, just an acquaintance, knowing that you're a therapist, how can someone better love you and not overstep the boundaries into asking too much of you when you're not working? When I'm not working, yeah. My friends have actually gotten pretty good, okay. right? Um, I just, I had to be very vocal mm-hmm. about it. And, and really what it comes down to it, after work and I do therapy, my I, I actually have no more brain power, really. I mean, it's it's pretty, it, it is actually non existent right I get it so my friends now will kind of ask me like is it is tonight a good night to talk do you need to you know kind of call me back tomorrow if it's not like super important like if it's somebody if if somebody's really struggling like call me right but if it's just kind of like not as important people are okay with letting it ride like they can tell me a story later or something like that that has been like super duper duper helpful um and just, you know, if I'm having fun, that's what I want to do. I don't yeah. want to be weighed down by mental health in this, yeah. in this moment. Yeah, I think that's actually important. That's something that's come up with some other people that I've talked to, too, is just checking in with people and seeing if they're ready to take on whatever emotional load you're about to bring to them. Right, right. And, you know, yeah. if they're not. Actually, I was going to ask, how do you do with the, I'm just curious, the the whole telling a joke. I'm just Man, I just to... tell them, man, you giving me money or what? I feel it. Because uh, usually people ain't giving me no money. Right. Okay. I feel it. That's you. That's nobody ever was like, okay, I'll give you money right now. Yeah. It's like it's not a dollar either. I'm like, yo, I get paid for a show. Like, you know, not like it's crazy, but it's not a dollar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I feel usually you. people just cheat. And so I'm like, I, I'm not gonna give you free shit. And they're all like, all right, bye. I have not. Um Use that method, but maybe I'll start. <laughs> maybe yeah, I'll, you I'll know what? Start. You should you should have. A I tier. haven't used that method. Yeah, you should yeah, have yeah. tier. You should be like, well, That's with parental funny. advice, I charge ten dollars for the conversation. Funny. Yeah. relational advice right. with your lover, and that is money funny. advice. You should have different tiers. I, I feel you. I'm gonna start. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm yeah. a businesswoman. That's what we do here. Mouthful with Shanti. Okay, <laughs> we learn it, we figure it out, we make that money. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love it. No, I'm gonna. That's my new. That's my new tactic. I like it. I like Thank it. you for being here. I love being here. I Thank appreciate you. you bringing a different type of insight um, onto the show, yeah. something that is uh, very important to me. So thank you for sharing yourself. I think actually I might want to have more things we talk about and have you come on more. We yeah. could like unpack, you know. All kinds of stuff. Unfuck shit. I, I feel like today was like a, hey, everybody, welcome. Yeah, it was our first session. Me- mental health, you know, and the first session is never like that deep. We didn't you know even what I mean? cry. You know what I'm saying? We didn't even cry, Sharon. People don't start crying to like the fifth session. You no, know you what I mean? You don't even know me. I'm about to cry. Next session, we cry. Already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that takes time. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, so That's thank it for you. us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening, y'all. Follow us. Oh, wait. Do you have social medias? Please drop your social medias. Oh, I'm Bay Therapist. I rep the whole Bay. B-A-Y Therapist. There you go. Yes. Follow Bay Therapist. Follow Mouthful with Shanti. And uh, take care of yourselves. And, and eat well. And take care of your colons. And uh, sleep well. And say hi to your mom. Hi, mom.